going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 262 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to be taking a look at our results from week nine in the NFL, as well as some interesting stats and storylines, Joey. I absolutely love these weeks, man. You know, the type of weeks where there's one or two must-own players in DraftKings. They just go so unworldly nuclear that you already know what type of day you're going to have two hours into the slate. You know, Joe Mixon has 48 points at halftime. I have him in one of my eight GPP teams, not a Justin Field teams. It's a Jared Goff double stack that is not remotely even close to cashing. My day was chalked. I just got out of there. No need to watch football for the rest of the day. Slate's over. (laughs) I'm buried. GG's. On to week 10. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when Joe Mixon has five touchdowns and 150 plus total yards. And I mean, you're, you're not winning a goddamn thing in terms of tournaments. Okay. Just chalk it up, move on to the next week. But we did talk about Joe Mixon on the stream quite a bit, said that he was a good pivot off of those guys. And he was like secondary chalk and he was in a very good spot. And his reception upside was very high without Jamar Chase. So, I mean, we were, we were kind of on it a little bit, but can't take too much credit. We didn't, like, flag plan him or anything, right? But, yeah, Joe Mixon goes off. Justin Fields goes for a historic day on the ground as a quarterback. I mean, if you didn't have those guys in tournaments, you weren't winning anything. But in terms of cash, I mean, you, you got to be tuned in to the streams. Have to. Like, you have to. When, when we are live Saturday night on YouTube at the Dose Media Network, Go subscribe to us on YouTube if you're not already. We lay out the cash team every single week, and it cashes every week. And this week, there were six locks. There were six players that I considered must plays after we got some late news. And the team that both of us played, we ended up on the same cash lineup, easily cashed in week nine. Easily. 161 total points. Justin Fields, Ramondre, Travis Etienne, Amonra St. Brown, Chris Godwin, Josh Palmer, Foster Moreau, Panthers defense, Austin Eckler. Easily cashed. Every double up, etc. If you weren't on that team, in my opinion, you really, really need to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate what you're doing on DraftKings because I think this was the easiest cash game week of the year. Completely agree. I mean, this lineup built itself. We get a couple of these every single year where it's like, I mean, results be damned. Like, you have to play this lineup. It's just too good. That's how I felt about this week. I'm now seven of eight on the year, having my best cash game season of my DFS career, I would say. I mean, obviously, still a lot of NFL season left to see how that goes, but I'm feeling really good. And and to your point, man, I mean, I just feel like we're putting out some of the best cash game content in the DFS business, certainly. And I'll say it right now, the best free DFS cash game content that you can find anywhere. YouTube, Saturday night, late night live streams are an absolute must wash if you're grinding cash games. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like you said before, you've only lost one time this year. I've lost a couple more times just off some, you know, Hail Marys and and long touchdown runs. But it's been a good cash year and, you know, there's a, a good sample of us being winning cash game players. So make sure you tune in to the streams and the videos on YouTube. 
and you'll and you'll be a winning player. I mean, this year specifically has been a pretty good year for cash. So I would say if you're if you're trying to grind the rest of the season and you're still tuned into DFS and DraftKings and whatnot, make sure you're listening to uh what what we're saying because I, I think we are playing relatively well right now. I mean, we can jump into some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week and just sort of piggybacking off this cash game conversation. We both opted, and and I think we made it pretty clear on the Saturday night late night live stream that it was between Justin Fields, Josh Allen, and just because of the savings and how it allowed you to fit Austin Eckler and the rest of the plays that you needed to get into cash, that Justin Fields at 5,300 was the play, had 17 completions for 123 yards and three touchdowns. But what he did that was, you know, truly impressive, truly awe-inspiring was 178 yards rushing as a quarterback, most rushing yards by a quarterback in the regular season ever. I mean, this kid has completely reversed, I think, the narrative around the Chicago Bears and certainly the narrative around himself. I mean, this kid's, you know, on the path to being a superstar. Yeah, I mean, they finally designed the offense to suit Justin Fields rather than trying to fit him into a specific set scheme. And I think this came after, you know, people in the media, especially former players, were bashing the Bears, uh, especially on that Thursday night football game against Washington, they were bashing the Bears for not utilizing Justin Fields' best skill set right now in his career, and that's his legs. So after that game, after the bye, we've seen just a different type of offense out of the Chicago Bears, and they've been one of the better offenses in the NFL over the last month, and Justin Fields moving forward, I think, is, you know, a top six, top eight fantasy quarterback option, especially on a season where there's not too many, you know, elite options at the quarterback position. Like, we have our Lamar and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and... Justin Herbert and Burrow but other than those guys like who else do we really have I think Justin Fields is in the conversation for you know a top five top six quarterback moving forward yeah I mean he's up to quarterback eight in terms of points per game and when you bake in the you know slow start to the season you've got to just think that for the rest of the season going forward they're not going to reverse course and Justin Fields is going to be a locked in QB one week in and week out I haven't looked at what DraftKings prices are next week but I'm expecting a major bump for Justin Fields while we're on the subject of absolutely historic performances Joe Mixon we already alluded to it, but 58.10 points on DraftKings, 22 attempts for 153 yards, four touchdowns with an extra four catches for 58 and a receiving touchdown on top. According to Daily Roto's historical production database, the 58.1 points that Joe Mixon scored in week nine is the fifth highest scored by a skill position in the history of DraftKings DFS. (laughs) I mean, just an elite day for Joe Mixon. I mean, five touchdowns total. What else needs to be said? Just a historic outlier performance from a player that was underperforming coming into this year. You mentioned like he was, what, 12% owned in some tournaments. So kind of secondary chalk there behind some of the mid-range running backs. And yeah, I mean, just he, he was a very, very good play this week. Uh, projections loved Joe Mixon. Uh, we Like I mentioned at the top, we talked about Joe Mixon during the stream. I mean, 48 points at halftime. Jesus Christ. Yeah, just, I mean, God damn, man. And, you know, I kind of felt like I was off Joe Mixon, definitely being too uh, results oriented, just in, in the sense that, 
you know, I had been sort of looking at Joe Mixon and the workload had been there and the ceiling had not been there, but you know, that was probably a, a fault of mine. And we just got to look at the opportunity. And, and that's something we know. It's why I was off Kamara last week. And then he, you know, touchdown regression, hit him in a huge way, three touchdowns. Same thing with Joe Mixon. You know, the production hasn't been there, hits him in a huge way and, you know, off to the money you needed him to cash in anything. So uh, shout out to Joe Mixon. And, and I guess while I'm taking L's here, we can talk about Kenneth Walker. This guy just has the juice. I don't feel bad about being off of him in the spot yesterday. I think on the surface process wise, it checks out second division game. He hadn't really shown too much as a pass catcher up to that point. Road underdog, pretty reasonable in my opinion to fade him, especially in cash for Ramondre, ETN, Mixon, or Eckler. But in terms of tournaments, I'm just done doubting this guy. He's an (laughs) ultra talented running back. He was the running back to on DraftKings main slate yesterday behind Joe Mixon. Mixon had 29 total touches, three of which were receptions, had four targets, best receiving game that we've seen out of Mr. Kenneth Walker, over 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker is fully legit, and I don't think there's anything else we really need to add in terms of Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I mean, he's just a very talented player. He runs with, you know, a very patient running style, kind of Le'Veon Bell-esque. He picks up yards. He has incredible touchdown upside. The Seahawks offense has been one of the better offenses in the NFL. So Kenneth Walker definitely going to be in play moving forward for sure. Yeah, I think you just have to uh, stop doubting him because he is him. He certainly is. He certainly is. All right. This is less of a player stat, more of a DraftKings tournament specific note, but it's just interesting that I think flipping the build was absolutely the key this week. You know, you pay down at quarterback and and tight end, fields to commit, that stack was the absolute nuts. You eat the chalk at mid-range running backs, Joe Mixon, ETN, two of the most obvious plays on the slate, two of the best projecting plays on the slate, and then getting contrarian to spend up at two of your wide receiver spots would have landed you in the nuts, wouldn't really have mattered who you picked in that top range because the four highest scoring wide receivers on the slate were 8,100 or above Adams, Cup, Jefferson, and Tyree Kill. Yeah, I mean, flipping the build was obviously the correct strategy this week on DraftKings. And this was a week where, you know, Eckler kind of really didn't separate, you know, and he was 8,800 and some of the other top running backs didn't separate as well. And Aaron Jones busted and Josh Jacobs busted. So specifically week nine was a week where fading the top running backs for the top wide receivers was very very beneficial. I mean, all of the wide receivers were in very good spots and I think they kind of were underpriced, all of them being like 81, 84, 8,500. Cause I think like Justin Jefferson and Cup and Devontae Adams and even Tyreek Hill should all be 9K plus every single week. So that was definitely a spot to take advantage of in tournaments for sure. And when you just take into consideration the entire context of the slate with the value at running back being in the mid range, it, it made a ton of sense to get off of, you know, some of the chalk cheap wide receivers up to some of the low owned top wide receivers and play the best plays at running back, you know, at 6k, 6, 6500 range. So that definitely made a ton of sense this week. 
And moving forward, I mean, it's definitely going to be in play because I think like Tyreek Hill and Cup and and some of these other top wide receivers, they're they're matchup proof at this point. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Tyreek, just the way that he gets utilized and the way that Tua locks onto him, it, it's absolutely insane. I mean, his pace for this season is crazy, and I honestly don't see any reason that it slows down outside of injury. So really historic stuff that we're seeing out of these top wide receivers, and I guess that that's just the uh, the NFL in 2022. Yeah. And the crazy thing is is if Tua had a stronger arm, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle would be breaking the slate every single week because Tua misses throws because he doesn't have enough arm strength. Mm. So you, you think Tua's holding him back? <laughs> I mean, definitely not because Tyreek's, <laughs> Tyreek's on pace to fucking break the single season yard record that Kelvin Johnson set. And he's on or he's close to being on pace to break the uh, catch record as well. Yeah. So can't say he's, he's definitely not. Him back. <laughs> He's, def- he's definitely not holding them back, but, you know, they definitely miss on some more explosive plays because Tua can't hit them deep down the field to give them, you know, that ability to catch while they're on the run. You know, they usually have to come back for it, you know, make a contested catch, fall down, get tackled type shit. But that that's just a watch the tape take. Got you. I mean, I haven't watched too much tape, so... I'll take your word for it. All I know is that this dude Tyreek is on pace for an insane season. Yep, and have no Tyreek Hill in basketball. GG. Yeah, two of doubles are going to ship everything. Like, my God. But, all right. So, injuries of note this week. The biggest is Josh Allen, who I don't think he's going to miss any time, but it's obviously worth noting. His elbow got injured in this game, said that he's been feeling some pain since, obviously, a super surprising turn of events yesterday with the uh, Josh Allen-led Bills losing to the Jets. Nobody saw that coming, but nonetheless, Josh Allen, fantasy football's premier player, quarterback one each and every single week, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that he was hurt until after the game. So, I mean, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. And the Bills kind of haven't been playing well recently. They do have a ton of injuries uh, and they lost some players yesterday. So moving forward, I think, you know, I'm not too concerned with Josh Allen because he's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But if this becomes a lingering issue, it, it definitely is something to watch moving forward. Absolutely. All right. Other injuries of note, we could just say the entire Packers offense you know, Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones, ankle injury, Romeo dubs, carted off ankle injury, Christian Watson <laughs> concussion for the second straight week. And this is an offense that was already on its last limbs. I mean, God damn, this team is in serious trouble. Yeah. I mean, this team's horrible. Rogers chose getting paid over having a talented roster. And that's a good take, man. You know, we don't, we don't hear enough about that take it's always like poor Rodgers the team isn't putting him in a position to win what about the fact that Rodgers has just become an egomaniac over the last couple couple (laughs) of years and I don't know man I I like the uh, holding Rodgers accountable take about time yeah I mean he's at the point in his career where he's not elevating players around him right like he's not Patrick Mahomes like he's still a good quarterback but Patrick Mahomes is elevating the players around him and he's doing whatever it takes because I mean I bet on record saying that the Chiefs don't have that much talent on their offense which I think is the right take correct matters not but because Mahomes is there yeah because Mahomes is literally I think probably going to go down as the best quarterback of all time at this point in his career Aaron Rodgers he's not him okay he needs talent around him and he chose 
getting paid as much as, you know, Patrick Mahomes over, you know, keeping Devontae Adams or, you know, going out and signing players and, you know, not taking pay cuts like Tom Brady did to try and get players, which, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it's his job. He cares about winning, I'm assuming, but he also needs to make sure his family's straight. He he needs to make sure he's straight, and I, I respect getting the bag, but nonetheless, it's still his fault. He has nobody to blame but himself. I mean, this Packers team is in shambles. I don't see how they make the playoffs this year, to be honest. I mean, they're obviously not winning the division with the Vikings being 7-1 and one and they're 3-6. and six. The Bears might even finish with a better record than the Packers this year, which is funny. I, I mean, I think the Bears are clearly a better team, right? Like, especially after what we saw out of Justin Fields yesterday, I think the Bears are a better team. They probably shouldn't have started trading away all their defensive assets at the point when they're finally starting to hit their stride. But, you know, it is what it is. I guess they're not true contenders. So all in all, probably a smart decision. Yeah, for Aaron Rodgers, time to hang up the cleats. Go be the B-mic on Pat McAfee's show like you clearly want to be. Go get your talk show on Barstool, whatever you're trying to do. You can get paid. Like, he'll be fine. He's going to get money. He's going to be on one of these channels just having a talk show. Like, he's rich forever. Than yeah, like, dog, just stop embarrassing yourself and tarnishing your legacy, okay? I'm, I'm very much over the Aaron Rodgers experience, to be completely honest. He's just kind of a whiny bitch. I mean, yeah, absolutely. He's not doing too much to to help his team, but obviously it's hard to to be a good, efficient quarterback in this league when, you know, your skill players do suck. But nonetheless, um, Rodgers, I mean, this Packers team, like I said, is in shambles and I'd I'd be willing to bet against them the rest of the year. 100%. I guess that's it in terms of injuries of note. Got away without too many major injuries. Also came in early this morning. The Aaron Jones ankle is fine. Shouldn't miss time. We will still keep an eye on what happens with Dubs and Watson going forward. A little bit of breaking news before we close out the show. Indianapolis Colts fire head coach Frank Reich week nine. So they benched their starting quarterback and Matt Ryan. They fired their head coach and yet another team that is just has eyes on 2023 and beyond because it's over for this year. Yeah, I mean, they are blatantly tanking. Clear as day. Clear as day. I respect it. Um, I wonder if they could potentially, like, get punished for it. I mean, it's hard to, like, say, like, yeah, they are 100% tanking and obviously a lot of it's circumstantial and it'd be hard to prove but I mean come on everybody knows what they're doing fire their head coach bench their starting quarterback that they went out and signed for a quarterback that I mean probably shouldn't be on an active NFL roster everybody knows what they're doing um this Colts team is in shambles yeah I mean Frank Reich he's going to get a job though 100% yeah, no, he's a good coach. Wasn't the problem. Kind of feel bad for him. This seems like a, a Jim Ursay ownership sort of uh, decision. And they totally just tried to sell us a bunch of lies with the, uh, you know, no, Ellinger gives us our best chance to win. I mean, after two weeks of watching this guy, we know that is just blatant bullshit. Like this guy is not good. He, he's actually <laughs> not good. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. That's going to be it for episode 262 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to do so is in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.